Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, find us on the web at revivallifechurch.org. Hallelujah. Good morning, Revival Life Church. I so appreciate uh, Corey and uh, Anastasia and the whole worship team. I just so appreciate a worship team that welcomes the presence of God. I, I really need that. I, I need, I need to be worshiping with people. I know I need to be uh, just tracking with people, especially in this season. It's just been, it's been rough in this season, right? Uh, you know, if, if if your loved one is sick or if you've been battling sickness, um, we're we're praying for you. Um, we really encourage you to reach out and let us know so we can be praying with you. Um, if you're going through something, there is no reason to be going through it alone. This is not why we joined a church to do things alone. This is not why Jesus Christ came and left the church so that we can be alone. Like we, we need each other in this season, especially. And I tell you what, I didn't realize how much I needed people until this thing, because I am going bored out of my mind at my house. This is like, I am going stir crazy. Uh, Hannah played bass today, and I saw on Instagram that she was so excited to see other people. Uh, she's in the back right now laughing, trying not to be on camera, but I don't care because this is how we do as family. Uh, I, I found myself driving around my neighborhood, hoping people are outside so I can accidentally violate you know, social distancing because I am going crazy right now. I need some people. You know, I work here at the church, obviously. I'm a professional Christian. Uh, this is what I do for a living. And so I, um, I come here, but we're, we were closed down. So nobody's working here except my wife. And I can see her at home, right? Like, I'm like, I need some people in my life. So this is nice that we're together. Do us a favor. Take a picture of where you're uh, enjoying the service and post it on Instagram. Tag Revival Life Church. Tag me. We'll give you a repost. My daughter gets angry that I repost all of them right away. She's like, you got to stretch them out. But I don't care. I just post them all because I get excited that people are watching. <sighs> Another thing that's going to be fun to watch here coming soon. Uh, we're going to get to see what the lady's real hair color is. That's going to be exciting. Uh, um, that's happening right now. My hair is growing long. I'm going to look like Corey by the time we get back together with my hair because I don't have a barber to go to. Uh, this is this is where we're at right now, right? And uh, and I'm, I'm joking. And if you've been sick, man, you know these problems have they're nothing to compare. But I'm still going a little stir crazy. And we're all going to pray that this thing goes quickly and that stuff lifts and the miraculous stuff will happen. Hey, let's get into the word of God. If you got a Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 21. I'll be there in a moment. Here's the, here's the, let me, let me cut right to the chase. Let me, let me uh, do a spoiler, right? Spoiler alert. Are you ready? Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Spoiler alert. That is the point of what we're talking about here. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Thank you church for being with me here today. This is the big day. This is, this is why we're together. This is why we can be the church. This is why we can be encouraged. This is why we know that God is with us. At the end of this service, we're going to receive communion together, just like we're going to do every single week until we can be back together in the flesh. I am super excited to gather around the table of the Lord together. Now, as we get into the story here, we've been talking about this. Now, 
as we know that for a while now, Jesus Christ and his disciples were making uh, kind of a pilgrimage towards Jerusalem. We've talked about this. He was stopping, he was ministering, he was preaching, he was teaching, he was rebuking his disciples. That's what he did a lot, right? And so they're, 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 they're heading towards Jerusalem. And uh, on Palm Sunday, which was last week, we celebrated um, Palm Sunday, which was when um, Jesus rode the donkey into uh, Jerusalem. And you remember they were laying the palm fronds on the ground. He was riding on them and they were shouting out, praise the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And uh, they had been promised a savior and their hopes were active in that time that Jesus would come and he would resurrect the kingdom of Israel and they would be liberated from their Roman oppressors. And so while everybody's excited, screaming out, Hosanna, Hosanna, Jesus, it says he was sad, right? He was, he was crying over Jerusalem and uh, he knew that the leaders would not follow the truth. He knew that they would seek what benefits them instead of what would benefit the people. He knew that they would reject the truth for a lie. He knew that they would reject peace for power. And he wept over Jerusalem. And so Jesus rides into the eastern gate, just like the prophecies, just like it's told in the book of Revelation, just like it was told by the prophets of old. He rides into the eastern gate and he starts preaching. He preaches in the court. He's preaching in the temple. And he's yelling at people and he's driving out the money changers and he's super angry at them. And he, he tells them in Matthew 23, 13, he goes, it's written that my house would be a house of prayer, but you're making it a den of thieves or, or a robber's den. And he goes on preaching about how this age of worship in the temple would come to an end. And people just didn't understand it. He started telling them that, look, he is the cornerstone of what the new temple would be. And this new cornerstone was the very stone that the builders rejected. He's prophesying. And now Jesus had taught so much an allegory. They didn't know when to take him literally and when to take him allegorically. And they actually, the Bible says that they just gave up trying to. And so he's telling them now pretty plain what's happening. And in order to really understand this, in order to understand how massive this fall of Jerusalem would be, we have to understand how big the temple in Jerusalem was to Jewish life, how, how, how their entire faith system was based around this temple. And in um, Matthew 24, the disciples are like, there's no way that this, this, this age can come to an end. How, how, what will it look like this end of the age? And of course, he's not, they didn't ask the end of the world. They asked the end of this temple age, when this epoch would end and what it would look like. And Jesus is uh, sitting overlooking the temple and he points at it and he says, this temple will be completely destroyed. The rocks, there won't be one on top of another one. And when you go to Jerusalem and you overlook that temple, it is incredibly massive and the stones are huge. And you're like, and if you see it, you really understand what the disciples are talking about. Like, how is that even possible? But Jesus said, this is going to be the end of the age for the Jews. This is going to be the end of one age, this age of temple worship, and the beginning of a new age for the whole world. This new kingdom of peace is coming. 
Jesus rode in, it's super important to remember, he rode in on a donkey. Now, conquerors ride in on horses. The donkey was an animal of peace. It was a sign of royalty. He wasn't coming to overthrow something. He was coming in peace. And Jesus came, when he came, he instituted a new age. This age of peace and self-sacrifice for others. You remember, he came in on, on Monday and, and he, he taught and he went back out and he kind of went in and out of, of uh, the old city. And then he had uh, communion. He had uh, what they call the Last Supper with his disciples and he, he washed their feet. You got to remember, those days, the, the, they sat at tables that were very low to the ground and they wore sandals and their feet were disgusting and you would literally be eating with people's feet around the table and they would wash the feet of someone you would have a servant do that. And Jesus came and he, and he washed the feet. He didn't come as a king. He didn't come as a conqueror, but he came as a suffering servant as prophesied in Isaiah chapter 53. Jesus said, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus on the very last week of his life displayed how we're called to serve one another. He had that supper with his disciples and he showed us, hey, listen, there's always room at my table. He even had the man who betrayed him sitting there at dinner with him. Can you imagine the last week of your life? Spending it washing feet, suffering for other people, serving, not being served. You remember we talked about this last week, Eucharisteo, this, this enveloping of the grace of God with the table of the Lord, this thanksgiving that we have. And we have so much to be thankful for. Sometimes it's distracting with what's going on. But here they were at the table, the Eucharisteo, receiving with thanks. And they were celebrating the Passover, which was a, a Jewish feast. The, the Passover remembered the story of how God set them free physically and made a covenant or agreement with them. They slaughtered the lamb. They put the blood over the door and God said that death would pass over. It's a prophetic story. And just like the Passover meal was a prophetic story, this Eucharisteo, this, this bread and this wine, it's also a prophetic story. Just like they slaughtered the lamb and put the blood over the doorpost and death would pass by, Jesus broke the bread and he said this Broken bread is my body broken for you. And just like there was a new agreement there on that first Passover day, there was a new agreement that happened that Jesus was instituting on this Passover meal that we call the Last Supper. There's this new agreement with man where death passes over us. Now, in the first one, it was a natural death. But here in this second Passover, it's a spiritual death that passes over us and Jesus, in this new agreement with man where his body is broken, Jesus would die for his people and create a new path to God. It's amazing, and it's, sometimes it's too easy to take it for granted and to just forget how amazing this is. Now, <clears throat> Jesus, uh, after the supper, he went and prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, which literally means the oil press. And Again, I, I hate to keep dropping, you know, these little things because I was just in Israel recently. You know, I'm not saying anything, but I just happened to be there, you know, in January. But uh, 
Uh, I was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Here, here's what's kind of wild. When you go to Jerusalem, and I hope you all get to go, and I never thought I would say that, but I hope everyone gets to go to Jerusalem one day. I hope I get to take my family uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane. And some of those olive trees are, are still there. There's still a small patch of that olive garden. And in that garden, that olive place, the place of the pressing of the oil, when you get those olives off the tree, I didn't know this. Maybe you did. Maybe you're smarter than me. But when you get those olives and you, if you scar them and they begin to ooze, the oil that comes out is red like blood. I mean, just the prophetic symbolism, you, 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 this entire story, there, hardly any part is not ripe with prophetic symbolism. So here's Jesus in this garden of the oil press being pressed. And those olives, when you scar them, they leak oil like blood. Messiah is the same word as Christ. One is Greek and one's a Hebrew transliteration. They come in opposite ways, but they mean the same thing. The anointed one, the one that has the oil of the Lord upon him. So this one that has the oil upon him was being pressed and out of him literally sweat blood, just like those olives when they're pressed. It's just amazing. So here he was in the Garden of Gethsemane being pressed and Jesus prayed to the Father. He said, he asked him, he says, would you let this pass? Is there any way you can let this pass? Now, we, we have a pandemic happening right now, and this is super, super important, this point. <clears throat> we, we have this COVID-19, this coronavirus happening, but that's not the only pandemics happening right now. We, we also have two concurrent pandemics happening with it. There's a pandemic of fear that is spreading like wildfire. And it's seemingly at the same time, there's a parallel pandemic of denial. COVID-19 is real though. We can't stick our head in the sand like an ostrich and deny it. We can't act like we're invincible and nothing can happen to us because something happened to Jesus and we're not better than him. Instead of denying the danger, we need to conquer fear and make healthy, informed decisions. Jesus faced the fear and he conquered it. He didn't deny it. He didn't say, ah, it doesn't matter. I don't, I don't care. No, no, he, he wanted that cup to pass from him. He asked the Father and Jesus doesn't lie. But nevertheless, he conquered the fear. He moved forward with the Father's plan. He knew a better day was coming. And he ushered in a kingdom of peace where the Spirit of God would live on the inside of us. The death and resurrection of Jesus followed by the sending of the Spirit, is the highlight of history. This is the big deal. This is the biggest event in human history. This is the biggest event in humankind. Jesus Christ came, died on a cross. He was resurrected from the dead, and He sent His Spirit. This is a big deal. Something in the future that people think is happening is not the big event. Some festival... Even the creation itself is not the big event. Jesus Christ rising from the dead and sending His Spirit. This is what it's all about. Jesus showed us the way. He died to His own well-being and laid down His will for others. Jesus knew where He was going. He knew where He was going. So He was in the garden. He was praying. <clears throat> he had been betrayed at 
the Last Supper by a disciple, and in the garden he was arrested and uh, was taken to Caiaphas' house. Many believe he was lowered in the well, kept there overnight. Uh, the next day on Good Friday is where he was first tried by Pontius Pilate, who was the Roman governor. Now, in those days, the Jews couldn't hold their own trials. Here's what would happen. <clears throat> they could have a trial, but they weren't allowed to have capital punishment. And so if they turned someone over to Rome, Rome had one punishment. It was death. And so they would have these lower trials locally. If they turned them over to the Romans, it was guaranteed death. And so they turned him over to the Romans. And Pontius Pilate says to him, now, are you the king of the Jews? Matthew 27, 11. And Jesus says, it's as you say. And then Jesus stopped talking. Jesus didn't try to defend himself. And the leaders of the day say, you have to condemn him. You have to, you have to condemn him. You have to convict him. Now them telling the Romans to convict him meant death. And they knew that. They didn't want the blood on their hands. They wanted somebody else to do it. And so we know the story. There was a man named Barabbas who was a rioter. The governor thought that they would release Jesus instead of this man who was inciting violence. But they said, no, no. Release Barabbas. They chose the man of violence over the man of peace. And so many times, this is what we do. We choose the man of violence over the man of peace. Jesus was a man of peace. He preached serving one another. But the kingdom of Israel at that time was based on violence and power. The message of Jesus threatened that. We have to understand that everything Jesus stood for is opposite of what this natural kingdom believes. The world always chooses a rioter. But we see this innocent man, Jesus, he was punished for the sins he didn't commit. And this guilty man was set free. That's us. This innocent man was punished and the guilty ones go free. I, I just got to think, you know, what were they going through? His disciples, like they knew that he was the miracle worker. They knew that he could do the impossible and they, they had to be so confused, like it had to squeeze them. Have you felt a squeezing in this season? Have you, have you felt like some things that maybe you thought were hidden coming to the surface? What, what, what are you doing about that? Are you hiding? Are you acting like nothing is happening? Are you ignoring it? Or are you somehow super spiritual and you think like you're invincible? In the 14th century, the bubonic plague spread and, oh, it just, it wiped out like a third to a half of Europe. They don't even know how many millions of people died from the bubonic plague. And there were these conspiracy theories that went crazy. And the Jews, who always seem to be the ones who are the end result of devious plots and conspiracy theories, they, they died in less numbers than the average person. And so they thought, clearly the Jews started this and what it turns out is they found out later on after they understood how germs operate that the Jews, because those who were observant, observed this ceremonial hand washing before they ate and therefore were less likely to get sick. When the Spanish flu spread throughout Europe, people were convinced that it was the Germans 
poisoning the water when we later found out it started in a pig farm in America. Spain was the first country who went public with this flu, and now we call it the Spanish flu. What are you doing? Here's the last one. God is judging the world. Have you heard this one? It's judgment from God. Friend, if God were to judge the world, I guarantee you there would be no shelter in place that would stop it. <laughs> no, no. We, see, here's the problem. We try to find answers for things. Like we can't just be in a mystery. We, we have to try to understand. And when there is no answer, we feel tempted to make up answers. There's, there's no conspiracy happening. Don't give in to these conspiracy theories. There's a sickness that's spreading throughout the world and we know how to slow it down and we're hoping that somebody will help us cure it. And so in the midst of this mystery, we're hearing people coming up with prophetic words. Have you heard any of these conspiratorial prophetic words that at Passover it's going to suddenly stop and somehow it's a plague that God is going to... In the Passover story... God released the plague on a wicked, evil ruler. Who would that wicked, evil ruler be that God released a plague against? Let me tell you this. Don't take any Passover deliverance prophecy seriously that doesn't also answer the question of who is a wicked ruler that God is after. God is not after a wicked ruler. That's, that's not what's happening. Jesus Christ died for the sins of man. It's just really really bad theology. It's not what's happening. These are false prophecies. And I'm praying for these apostolic and prophetic leaders that they would repent and they would be restored because their mind has gone a little foggy. This is not the truth of God's word. Jesus Christ died. We need to release control and stop trying to be God and be able to say, man, I just don't know, but I'm praying. Jesus didn't make stuff up to justify what people didn't understand. He didn't try to make himself look better. He didn't try to cover up his words. This is where we humbly need to be, friend. We need to surrender to the Spirit of God. Oftentimes, we only understand after we surrender. In order to experience resurrection life, we need to give up the life we built. That's the only way we get resurrection life. We have to give up this man-made life to receive the life that God died for. Nobody understood the beating of Jesus, but Jesus did. And oftentimes, we don't understand what God is doing until we're on the other side. I want to challenge you today. Keep in faith. Keep in hope. Believe that you're going to get better if you're sick. Believe that your family is going to make it through, that your finances are going to survive. Stay in faith. Look, First Peter, Peter understood far later what happened. He wrote this down way later after he understood. He says, And Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Watch this. For by his wounds you were healed. If you remember when Jesus was getting beat, Peter didn't understand that. Matter of fact, Peter denied him. But this very thing, he's like, now I get it. Sometimes we just got to stay in faith and make it through something before we get it. 700 years before Jesus, Isaiah saw this and he prophesied it in Isaiah chapter 53. 
verse 5, he says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, chastised to chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, by his beating, by his stripes, say it together, we are healed. That's the promise of God. And let me tell you, there is something called coronavirus going around, but this does not limit the hand of God in your life. This is a time of miracles. Hear me, this is a time of miracles. Can I get an amen in the house? This is a time of miracles. Don't let anybody tell you different. I have gotten so many reports of financial miracles in this season. People got checks from things that were being held up for years or out of nowhere getting money in the mail or getting a new job or new hours they didn't think they would get. And you can expect that as well. You can expect supernatural protection. You can expect divine immunity in the name of Jesus. You can expect supernatural provision. You can expect Holy Ghost wisdom. It may not make sense to you, but the wisdom of God supersedes the wisdom of man. You can expect grace. You can expect the presence of God in your life during this season. You can expect that because Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. This is what makes the horrible day of Good Friday good. Jesus was crucified on that day so we can experience the God life. This is what makes it so good. Jesus, of course, was was beaten and murdered on that day. They buried in him a grave and they put a massive stone in front of it. People thought that he was gone forever, <clears throat> but God. I don't know what your situation is right now. I don't know how dire it looks. Let's say it together. But God. One more time. But God. But God. Jesus says in Matthew 27, it says he cried out with a loud voice and he yielded up his spirit and the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks were split. Man, anything that separates us from God has now been dealt with. The veil is torn. Whether it's sin or sickness, he conquered poverty, he conquered depression, he conquered anxiety. Coronavirus is beneath the name Jesus. This is what the first Passover could not accomplish. They buried the body of Jesus in a grave. But Jesus, he couldn't stay dead. He came back. Now listen, he gave them a promise they didn't understand until later. He said in John 14, he said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, but it doesn't see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Watch this, and I need you to hold on to this in this season. Jesus said, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. This was God the Son making a promise to you. God the Son said, I am leaving, but God the Spirit is coming. God the Son is leaving, but God the Spirit is coming. And we have access to God now by His Spirit. 
This relationship with God is no longer based on lineage or circumcision or Torah obedience. It's based on faith in Jesus, the resurrected Messiah. Jesus Christ died that horrible death and he was risen from the grave and we celebrate that today. And by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you too can have death pass over your life and you can experience resurrection life. Friend, let me ask you today, do you maybe need to say this prayer with us? Because through faith in Jesus, we can be filled with his spirit. Here's what we do. We just ask him to forgive us of the things we've done wrong. Declare that we have faith in Jesus. Ask him to forgive us and come into our lives. Let's just pray this together. You can pray it out loud. And everybody in your house, just let's all do it together. Even if it feels weird, let's all just declare it together. We don't want anybody to feel uncomfortable. If you're alone, just let's declare it together. Just say, Lord Jesus, I have sinned. Forgive me. I believe that you were born from a virgin. That you never sinned. But you were murdered. And on that cross, you died. And they buried you in a grave. And you were raised from the dead. And now, the life that you live, I receive. Wash me clean of my sin. Give me power to be a witness. Fill me with your spirit. And let me live in resurrection life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen, amen, amen. Come on, everybody in the room, if you would. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now listen, we're going to celebrate like we are every week, and we're going to receive the Lord's table together. We're going we're to partake of that communion, and my beautiful bride is going to join me. Hello, beautiful bride. It's my beautiful bride. We're not sharing a cup this week, apparently. We're social distancing on the cup. In Matthew chapter 26, are you ready? Do you have your supplies ready? Are you ready? Yeah, all right. Matthew chapter 26, verse 26 says, While they were eating, Jesus took some bread. I love my wife. She's so cute. Anyway, thank you. While they were eating, Jesus took some bread. Ha, I feel the presence of God here right now. Shakaba. Let me just pray this. Ha. We're going to receive the Lord's table, and I just believe the presence of God is going to flood right there, and He's going to touch bodies. He's going to touch spirits, meaning your personal spirit, multiple people, not, you know. He's going to set some people free, and He's going to do a work of miracles in your life. Wow. Wow. Matthew chapter 26, verse 26 says, While they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after a blessing, He broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body. Receive the bread of life. Hallelujah. Mm. Wow. And when he had taken the cup and given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. For Wow. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. Now, we're going to receive the cup and I'm going to pray for you. Receive the cup of the new covenant. Ha! Hallelujah! Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
Ha! I rebuke the devil in these people's lives. I rebuke sickness in the name of Jesus. I rebuke anxiety in the name of Jesus. I rebuke the virus. I rebuke allergies. I rebuke financial lack in the name of Jesus. I release your provision. And I just stand in agreement with these watching right now. And I declare a better day is coming in the name of Jesus. I stand in agreement and I just declare freedom is coming. A better day is coming. Work will start again. Finances are coming. Joy is flooding your home right now. The presence of Holy Spirit is entering your home right now. God is very good. God is very good. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. Hey, thank you for joining us. If you receive Christ today, hey, reach out to us and let us know. If you need anything, go ahead and follow the instructions. Text what we were told you to text. Stay in contact. Join a prayer group. Don't do this thing alone. We love you. God bless you. We'll see you online. Thank you, Anastasia. Hallelujah. Thank you, everybody. So we need to shoot one quick thing for Corey. Uh, Duke, can you record this? I called him Duke, but he's not Duke. He's Brandon. I wouldn't mind being called Duke.